are you? What defines you? Is it being a father, a mother, husband, wife, son, daughter, football player? We're all defined in the world by so many different things. Our success, our failures. I know I've been defined by a lot of people as a Heisman Trophy winner, by others as getting cut four times. Where did I define myself? Where was my identity? Did I find my identity in being a football player? Well, if I did, I don't have much of my identity anymore. Did I find my identity in the accomplishments I had? Forgot a lot of them. The dictionary defines identity and who someone is. I don't know that that's exactly right because who you are in the world will always let you down. Because we might have highs, but we're definitely gonna have lows. Do we have to ride the roller coaster that the world rides of our life? No, because it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know whose you are. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's whose you are. You're a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God. That's pretty powerful. That gives you meaning. That gives you purpose. And you have purpose. There is purpose in your life. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Let's break that verse down really quick. It's one of my favorite verses because we understand the awesome plan that God has for our life in this one verse. For we are his workmanship. That word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, which could also be translated poem. So let's substitute poem for workmanship. For we are his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. You know what that means? It means that a long time ago, before you were ever born, before your parents ever thought of you, God wrote a poem about your life. And do you know why it's awesome? It's because it's not an average poem. It's not a poem for you to be ordinary. It's not a poem for you to just meander through life or be okay. No, it's a poem for good works. God wrote a beautiful poem about your life for good works for you to accomplish. That means you matter. That means you have purpose. And that means that you are significant. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are here for a reason. The God of this universe said, I have good works for you to accomplish. Then you might feel like, well, I don't feel like I can accomplish amazing things. I don't feel like I have that much to offer. Yes, you do. You might not realize it, but you plus Jesus equals miracles. One of my favorite passages is the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And let me read that version to you. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. 
When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. You know why I love this passage so much? It's because we get to see this little boy. All we know is that he was a lad. We don't even know how old he was. But the Bible says he was a lad. And he didn't have a lot. He's just taking his lunchbox and he's going to follow all the people to hear about this guy named Jesus who's performing all these miracles. And then they say, have everybody sit down. And he's seeing all these people scramble around to try to get food. And he says, well, I, I have a little food, but it's not a lot. And I'm kind of hungry, but Jesus, if you want it, here, here you go. And I love that picture. Because this lad probably doesn't think that it's a lot. But he says, you know what, I'm just going to give it anyway. And Jesus, he, here you go. This is all I have. And hopefully you can, you know, feed a couple people, maybe two, three, five people with it. What does Jesus do? He takes what the boy gives. And he feeds the 5,000. But a lot of scholars believe it was not just 5,000 because that was just the men there. They believe it was over 10,000 with the women and children. So Jesus feeds with five barley loaves and two fish over 10,000 people. But what's also cool, it's not just enough. It's more than enough. You see, that's what Jesus does in our lives. He's not just enough. He is always more than enough. And when we give Jesus what we have, even though we might feel like it's, it's not a lot and I don't have anything that I feel like is that great, but I'm just going to give it to you. Jesus will take what we give and he'll perform miracles in us and through us and he can change so many people's lives. You see, Jesus isn't asking for what you don't have. All he's asking is for everything you do have. My junior year at the University of Florida, we were getting ready to play a rival, and I was in the training room about 15 minutes before the game started, and I saw a bunch of my teammates putting eye blacks under their eyes, and so I started to think, you know, they're putting their, their area codes or their mom's name, and I started to think, well, I wonder if I could put something that might encourage someone or might inspire someone, so I decided, well, you know, God bless, and I was like, ah, I don't know, and I thought, Philippians 4.13. That's an awesome verse for a football player. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I decided that's a verse I'm going to go with. And so I put it under my eyes and we went out there and we played and we won. But it wasn't that big of a deal. And I kept wearing that under my eyes every single week. And being at the University of Florida with a lot of passionate fans, when you do something for long enough, they're going to catch on. And so after a couple weeks, they start selling it at the Gator Bookstore and at the library and on the side of the street before games. And next thing I know, there would be thousands of people showing up to games wearing Philippians 4.13 under their eyes. And they wouldn't even know what it means. So they would be like, all right, go Gators, Philippians 4.13. I even had a guy named Phil come up to me, and he was like, Timmy, did you wear that under your eyes for me? No, it's a Bible verse. What does the 413 mean? But I kept wearing it under my eyes every single week. By the end of the season, we're playing Alabama in the SEC championship, and we're getting ready to run out of the tunnel. And there are thousands of people wearing this Bible verse under their eyes, and it's kind of a surreal moment. But I feel like God was putting it on my heart to change the verse. And I was like, really, right now? But I realized that if we were to win... Six weeks later, we'd be playing in the national championship. So we were blessed to, to play and win. And the next six weeks leading up to the national championship, 
I was praying and really agonizing about ver what verse I should go with. And God kept bringing into my heart and my head John 3.16. Because as a Christian, that's the essence of our Christianity. It's the essence of our hope. Two nights before the, the game, I go up to my parents' hotel room in Miami, Florida. And I tell my, my mom and dad, I say, Mom, Dad, I'm changing the verse. And my mom's super supportive. First thing my dad says is, well, have you told Coach Meyer? Because a lot of people believe that Coach Meyer just is, likes his routines, but that dude is so superstitious. If we win with long socks, guess what? The next week they're going to be even longer. So it's, he, he does not want you to change anything. So my dad's like, you really need to go talk to him. So the next day we have our walkthrough. And, He's like, hey, coach, you know, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, how you feeling? Your arm ready? Your legs ready? You, you got the game plan down? I was like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. But you know the verse I wear under my eyes? He's like, yeah, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. I'm like, yep, well, I'm going to change that verse to John 3.16 tomorrow night. He's like, what? What are you talking about? You can't change the verse. Philippians 4.13 got us here. You can't change it now. And I was like, no, coach, it didn't get us here. And after a couple of minutes of talking to him, he totally understood and Really, that was the last time I thought about it. I just put John 3.16 under my eyes, and we were blessed to go out there and play for the national championship and win. And two days after the game, I was in Ballyhoo Restaurant with my mom, my dad, one of my aunts, and Coach Meyer. Coach Meyer gets a call, and he's talking to our PR guy, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, bye. Just so intense. And I was like, Coach, what was that about? He said, uh, PR guy just told me that 94 million people Google John 3.16 during the game. And at first, my first thought was, how the heck do 94 million people not know John 3.16? But then I started to think, wow, this God that we serve is, is a really big God. And I just, sitting in that chair, I remember thinking, wow. I feel so small. The God that we serve is so big. He's so much bigger than all of us, but he always has a plan and a purpose for everything. You know what was really cool about that game is it was on January 8th of 2009. Exactly three years later, on January 8th, 2012, we just happened to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. I didn't think of John 3.16 one time. So I can't take credit for it. I had nothing to do with it. I just tried to go out there and do anything that I could to win a playoff game. And we were blessed to win that game in overtime. And after we were done celebrating, I rushed into the locker room and I changed really fast. So I'm getting ready to walk into the press conference and Patrick, our PR guy, he stands in front of me. He says, Timmy, wait, did you realize what happened? I could tell you know, something had happened. I said, Patrick, what's up? So he told me about the date being exactly three years from when I wore John 316 under my eyes. And I said, wow. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. He said, no, you don't realize. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the night were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. And during the game, 90 million people Googled John 316. And it was the number one trending thing on Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And I was just standing there right in front of the press conference room thinking, God, I didn't even know you were doing anything. I just felt so small. But at the same time, God, you're just so awesome. 
You used something that I did three and a half years ago to put Philippians 4.13 in my eyes and, and then switch it to John 3.16 and then you used that, but you didn't stop. I thought it was done. I thought it was over. But God, you just, you were working and I didn't even know. But guys, we serve a big God and he can take us average, ordinary people who mess up all the time. I know I do. And he can do awesome things with us and through us. And I really believe that the God of this universe loves you so much and has a great plan for your life. And he wants to perform miracles in you and through you. God bless you.